This is the Wild Sage Society podcast, where we explore the ideas and practices that help us live healthy, connected, and purpose-filled lives. Each week, our host, Marcy Walker, connects with healers, spiritual leaders, doctors, and small business owners on topics such as human resilience, conscious leadership, and modern shamanism. Here is your host, Marcy Walker. Hi, y'all. Thanks for tuning in. Today is episode five of the Wild Sage Society podcast with my soul sister, Blair Zika. Uh, Today is going to be, in typical Blair and Marcy fashion, really deep. It's going to be dark. And for those that are looking for something light and fluffy, this may not be your episode. I just need to uh, do a very important disclaimer on that. Um, and also I would like to dedicate this episode in loving memory to Eric Zika and, uh, Steve Manietta. Mm. So Blair, thank you for being on episode four and five. Mm. Thank you. So I love much. it. I love you so much. I love you so much. And I'm so, so, so grateful, uh, that you have so beautifully stepped into such a powerful way of being of service creating a platform and a space for stories to be shared and wisdom to be shared is rather ancient in its essence. And it is a very safe space that you've created to be able to come into that authentic, unapologetic, vulnerable space of sharing truth. What is true for the person speaking. Uh, We all have our own experience with truth and the way that you hold space for me to express mine is very loving. And I'm so grateful for that. So. Thank you. That means the world to me because you hold space in so many capacities for so many people Mm -hmm. diving into shadow work, the tattooing ceremonies, just on your shamanic path. So Mm, I feel you, sister. Thank you. Yes. And that is such a beautiful sensation when there is a a fellow traveler walking beside us that it is unspoken, the knowingness of what it is to journey into that level and that depth of darkness and to touch and to explore and not just to visit but to immerse oneself in the dark uh, without retreat. Um, there I is, knew. <laughs> yeah. I knew from the moment your essence walked into mm. that workshop mm. that you and I were going to do some really powerful work together, not only just for our own healing, but those of others. And I knew that part of my journey with you was diving into and healing my sister wound Mm. and um, processing a dear friend's suicide. Mm. Yeah. I'm curious before we go into um, kind of how all of this is resonating with me. I'm curious to know a bit more about your story with the, the death journey. Yeah, so uh, he was my coworker and my quote unquote work husband, and mm. we worked together closely for 15 years. And I remember getting the call 
I, I was away from the office and I got the call from my assistant and I could hear the emotion in her voice and with just the cracking and the tremble, mm. she said, Steve Manietta is dead. Mm. And I literally just texted him 45 minutes before that call. And I was like, what the fuck? What do you mean that he's dead? And she said, he shot and killed himself. And it, it is such a profound experience witnessing that, you know, and his death and his, of his own doing uh, was in a company vehicle mm. on company property. Mm. And it was at the time when construction crews were showing up. Mm. So being in a management position in that, you no, know, not not only did I have to call the family, but to the amount of grief and grief counseling and holding space for employees that saw him take his last gasp of air. Mm. Mm. So, uh, yeah, and and the pain of my assistant mm. and the bravery that she endured. I just don't know if I I don't even have words to explain that. And part of me, you know, like I started my healing journey in, in 2011 and there's part of me that is crucifies myself. Like I have the training to know when someone's disconnected, but I was so in so much pain and suffering of my own and struggling with a health crisis and a deep, deep autoimmune and just, feeling the energy of a toxic work environment that my guard was so up. I remember just shuddering every time I went into work and just mm-hmm. you know, like, I didn't pick it up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like we talked about in episode four, you know, the people that talk about it versus the people that don't. And he didn't. Yeah. And he wrote a cryptic suicide note, mm-hmm. but there's music you know, there's a song that came on today that I just have to fast forward and I can't, you know, mm-hmm. like music was one of the things that we really connected and bonded over. And I can still hear him in his head and in, in my head and I can still feel his presence. Mm-hmm. And I know that he's haunting the, the business. I mean, the, I, the property. I wonder how it would feel for you in your medicine experience to connect to the highest signature that is his essence and uh, give that permission to speak through song uh, and to make it obvious. Oh, he, oh, he does. Yeah. And you know, when, if, when I would still be going up to my dad's on the weekends and things, there would be chairs that would move mm-hmm. and songs that come on at the right time and mm-hmm. tears and just, it's, he makes himself known, but I haven't had strength yet to mm-hmm. be able to go up there and, mm-hmm. and send him back to the well, When you feel that that is in alignment, I will absolutely hold space with you. Um, I would love that. Yeah, and, and explore what has him so fractured still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you, mm-hmm. sister. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah, it's... There's something that that moment, right? The right before and the right after, uh, forever transformed that, that death moment of suicide in my experience is the before and after 
there is my life before that moment and there is my life after that moment and it will be the one ultimate defining time in my entire life. And how I resonate with that time in my life and that remarkable story and epic journey uh, has also transformed and shifted. And it is the experience of healing from all of that is why we don't stop. It's why we don't give up. If we can locate that moment of hope that comes in many different forms in that darkest, darkest, darkest moment, if we can, if we can hold whatever message it is that comes through and believe it, to be true and we show up to one more breath just the next fucking breath just give it the next one I think we would be surprised at what we're able to restore within ourselves it's just that in the western world we don't hold space well as a collective for dark for the darkness for a tortured human to find their way back to their pure essence their soul we don't do that well. And it oftentimes leads to suffering and silence, which is the perfect storm for choosing death by suicide. Uh, yeah. There's just, you know, I, I have always said since Eric chose that path for himself, I have never encountered um, another experience or story or even in, in, in any capacity where someone chooses to complete suicide and does so by shooting themselves in the heart or the soul space. All of the trauma with suicide is done to the head um, or to the throat, the silencing. She, she went right and, through his side. Yeah. Heart, same. And it's... Right, it's that, it's that tor- we're not killing the soul we're killing the thing that we can't make peace with a tortured mind and a mind becomes tortured in such a way when it's suffering in its own silence, because that's, that is lunacy. It it will make one go crazy to the point where the only logical reprieve from that is to eliminate that. Um, So how do we begin to transform the way we, hold space for the darkness. It's, by, I, I think, oh. really uncomfortable conversations around how dark shit can get. I, was, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, I did. Um, I love that you and I have both chosen the path to help others alchemize their pain into purpose. <sighs> Are you ready to unlock your true potential and embark on a transformative journey of healing and well-being? Look no further than the Wild Sage Society. Join us for upcoming events, webinars, and workshops to experience the fusion of evidence-based therapies with ancient wisdom, bringing you to a deep level of physical, spiritual, mental, and emotional well-being. To stay up to date on our upcoming events and to access exclusive content, subscribe to our newsletter at thewildsagesociety.com.
Connect with us on Instagram at Wild Sage Society for daily inspiration, transformative stories, and community engagement. And don't forget to subscribe to the Wild Sage Society podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, where we explore the ideas and practices that help us live healthy, connected, and purpose-filled lives. I don't think that one can really go to this depth of transformation and medicine work and within their own expression not feel called to share a light of I do feel that when you guide the darkness into that dark waters you are the thing holding the lamppost that's the only responsibility is to just bring a little bit of light into that dark purely so that the dark knows that you know that it is present and that is where the journey begins that one introduction into the dark is just got to get to that spot when i mean last episode we didn't dive we didn't finish diving into the east direction on the medicine mm. wheel but my experience with east was i was in massachusetts and i we were starting east and i remember that that the instructor, the mentor talking about this was going to be the last time that we experienced trauma through our bodies. Mm -hmm. And, and I remember in my head saying, yeah, yeah, right. And then we went on a journey and I remember um, on the journey, I was uh, native American. I, one sixteenth Cherokee, and I was on my war horse, but I was being drugged behind my white war horse that had, paint, red paint around his eye. And it was one foot that was being pulled. And I remember feeling nothing on the right side of my body. Mm. And then that evening, I still didn't have the sensations and feelings or myself back to normal when I slipped and fell down the stairs. And I hit my head so hard. I concussed myself and I don't remember. Well, I remember now. And so what I remember from that experience is once I, you know, like I immediately started remembering all of these near death experiences that have happened. And the next day being concussed, my, I had double vision and I didn't realize I was concussed. I just thought that spirit wanted me to get out of my own way. And I was, I was there for it. And I had four shamanic practitioners working on me to try to figure out what was going on with my eyesight. And they took me down to a journey and we went into the chamber of contracts. And in the chamber of contracts, I was able to tear up and burn the contract that I didn't believe that I belonged here. Mm -hmm. And what came through with that was my own attempt at suicide after being raped at 14. And just being naive, didn't know how to do it or otherwise that it would have been a successful, but just reliving all of those experiences through that direction was so powerful. And it was such a catalyst for this exact moment. That is so eagle. And the tenderness that can be brought back into that, that moment, right? My, it, the veil is as thin as our doubt. And through visualization and through the work of the underworld journey and going into the different chambers and receiving those different aspects of self and then 
pulling forward the contracts. It's in- incredibly courageous and um, profound work. And what's so remarkable is that the subconscious mind does not know the difference between a vision and reality and being able to be in that space and sit in those energies of that trauma and not that we're trying to shift what took place, but shifting the beliefs that were formed around that and, and what was infused into the being as a trauma story and being able to release the energetics of that. Uh, there was just this inf- insane knowing mm-hmm. at 47 years old that I finally got to choose life. <laughs> Oh, (laughs) yeah, I can remember years ago, just in this space of devastation, so curious about the idea of greeting a moment of true happiness. Will that ever be something I experience again? A deep, honest happiness. And um, I would hold space with that moment that feeling and that sensation. And uh, it was it was several months ago now at this point, but it shocked me that I had met that moment in time. And that's when I was like, that's why you don't fucking give up. It took seven years for me to greet a true moment of honest, pure honesty and, and pure happiness within that. Um, and Did all, part of you feel like you didn't deserve it? Or have you done so much self-work that? Oh, yeah. I mean, there were definitely times where uh, the unworthiness to explore life has it's been a deep wound within me that I've been unaware of up until the medicine wheel, um, how deep that unworthiness went. But this past go-around... Um, you know, I, I will acknowledge my privilege in, in saying that as a solo traveler for those seven years, I didn't have the responsibility of children or a partner or a, a job, really. Um, I allowed myself to be put in a very tight set of circumstances so that my whole experience could be devoted to my healing. And I was able to get to a point where I absolutely celebrated the fucking shit out of that moment because I had gutted myself and rebuilt and remembered so much of what had been lost within me. Uh, There wasn't a second where I didn't think that I didn't fully deserve each and every moment of that celebration. Um, And that, I, I know that to be true because I had felt that unworthiness before. And it's a, yeah, it's, it's a celebration that still leaves me a bit breathless and can take me to that space where words seem silly. Uh, but the work does work and the cliches are real as annoying as they all are. Um, 
<laughs> that shit is true. The juice is worth the squeeze, all that fucking shit. I know. Great, fucking, I get it, and- cool. Thanks, universe. Awesome taglines, fuck. Like, <laughs> goddamn. The only way through it's through it. Yep. Fuck, shut yeah. up. Yes, you're right. God damn it. Yeah. So we talked last episode about you being a teacher, mm. and I, too, have uh, stepped into that role. Mm. The two archetypes that I have resisted the most are the ones that I, the traumatic brain injury has given me the courage to step into and it was mm. teacher and warrior mm. and i see that in you Oof. so with stepping into your teacher mm. talk to us about your exciting mystery school that's going to be coming march of 2023 mm. yeah i mean talk about worthiness there um i you know we spoke about it a little bit in episode four on the respect that must be there for the medicine, Uh, especially if we are going to be sharing that medicine in a way of teachings, wisdom teachings um, with another, let alone actually doing healing work with another, Um, meaning the energy healing work, hands-on, things like that. I, I love being a student. I'll say that. First and foremost, I am an eternal student of earth school. I love the shit out of it and um, are forever bonded with the student archetype. Uh, As I continue to make my rotations around um, the sun, I am developing such a love affair with the journey of growing older. I love it. I feel with each moment I grow older, I feel so much more expansive. Um, And my truth feels uh, very much woven deeply into the fabrics of my being at this point. And to be able to hold space uh, to welcome in the storyteller, to welcome in the circle and share of different teachings and different spiritual ways of engaging life, the mythic, the metaphysic, the shamanic, the all of it. Um, essentially what the wild dark is, it's a medicine bag of a lot of beautiful modalities that have carved the, the space within me for my highest self to take full residence. And it's a space to come and feel what it is to be witnessed in all of the darkness that one can house and to feel safe to begin to acknowledge it or go deeper if, if someone is on on the medicine way path and would like to go more deeply into the darker waters. This space is for that as well. Um, But purely what it is, is, you know, I, I spent the last seven years immersed within healing and being able to explore what felt in alignment with who I am and who I be and, and, and what did not. And, uh, some things that I was able to co-create 
within myself and a modality and kind of tweak it to meet something that would download for myself. And, uh, it's a, it's an intense, it's an intense six months. It's going to be, um, relentless and it's going to be direct and it will be incredibly compassionate, but with no bullshit. Um, because we are in incredibly transformative times. And I think that those that are on the doorstep of their healing are ready to do swift work. And not that six months is any <laughs> blimp on the, on the scale of things, but six months of daily, daily grind um, is a, a little introduction into what it would be like to embrace a medicine way. And um, it's going to be epic. Epic. I think it's fascinating that we are both launching a coaching program per se, an educational journey around the medicine wheel about mm. the same time. Mm. I think it's divinely timed Absolutely. Um, for a seeker mm. who is called to enroll in the wild dark mm -hmm. what is their experience can you share a little bit of besides the daily practices of diving in yeah the you know there will be um the the person that resonates and feels called to the wild dark is someone that is curious to explore the truth of how they find themselves in the situations they find themselves in. Um, it is a school that is all about fully claiming your own existence and all expressions of that and what it means to be a responsible soul inside of a human vessel, meaning responsible for the thoughts, actions, choices that one makes without excuse, without victim, without projection, without the rescuer, without all of it. Um, Responsible is such a powerful word. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not small shit we're dealing with. When we really dial it down to this very complex journey of humaning, <laughs> um, I, I cannot exist in a space anymore that is not authentic and true. And my body feels incredibly constricted when I'm in a space that feels inauthentic um, or gaslighty or bypassing. And so it's, um, it, it, it just, it's, it's time for this to come through and it's been in the works now for so long um, and to see how, a second sooner, it wouldn't have been the right time. And then to delay is not the right time. And so to allow Earth School to be what it is right now, um, because there is a responsibility, there's a call to action. There's a call to action to honor the original mother, our Earth, the, the nurturer of all life. And there are acknowledgments that are being made on how we can better show up for humanity. And all of that requires responsibility over the thoughts and the choices and the actions that we make. 
And so what is fueling those from an energetic standpoint, from a neurological pathway standpoint, from a very human scientific standpoint, how is it that we are doing what we're doing and why are we here engaging in these things? Um, The wild dark is going to unpack a lot of that and it's going to be so unique to the traveler because again, the intention is to be fully self-referencing excavating the healer within oftentimes is followed by the initiation into the dark waters and Everything in life is fucking great when things are sunshine and rainbows and perhaps some unicorns are running around. Um, But we don't necessarily learn a ton about who we are, about what makes us these courageous and miraculous creatures. Uh, It's in the darkness where we find out who the fuck we are. So that's where I like to play. And I think that I think that there are many if not every person wants to play in that space, I think that we just uh, sometimes need a guide to take us in and then go have some fun. <laughs> fun. Yeah. It'd be fun. They said, don't step into the medicine wheel. It'll be great. It'll be beautiful. Have a blast. We'll see you never again because you're going to come out so different, but no. Yeah. But the wild dark will be great. I think you should do it. <laughs> I'd love to. <laughs> yeah, they'd be fun, they said. No, it is. It, it's for the person who's curious about how, like, crafting their most authentic and true life. Um, what are the blocks that keep us from doing that? And what is the work necessary to alchemize and actualize our most vibrant earthly expression? It is our divine right as humans housing a soul to walk the landscapes of this earth free from harm. So how do we show up to that divine right and hold space for if I desire to be free of harm, how do I hold space to ensure that my fellow traveler has that same opportunity? I mean, we're, we're human. We are designed to connect. We're designed to connect. If I was one of those seekers, Mm -hmm. what would I be experiencing on a physical or environmental level? Yeah, it's such a beautiful, I mean, it's such a unique answer there. It's so situational, our healing journeys. I, one would expect to feel sensations of, um, I, I think deep, uh, sorrow. There's a a part in the journey where all of the realization that everything has been orchestrated by the self, everything, the, whether it's the projection, whether it's the, the choices we make, the boundaries that that we cross within ourselves, all of these things, we are the reason we found ourselves in the present moment that we're in. And there's a re- when that realization settles in, it is a moment that can be full of sorrow and regret and shame and relief for finally having that knowing settle in. Um, because what happens when we realize that we are the thing 
is that we realize we're the thing and we can shift the future landscapes of our experience through the work that we do in this eternal present moment. Our, um, our, our experience is crafted from our subconscious beliefs. And when we can harmonize those subconscious beliefs to align with the greater vision that we hold for ourselves, um, that's the, that's the beautiful work of healing. And so a seeker inside of the wild dark would feel the untethering of the old way of experiencing life as they carve out and hollow out and come face to face with things that they never felt they could. And they, they greet those things those moments with a, a ferocity to ignite a more harmonious experience for themselves. And it can feel unnerving. It can feel isolating. It can feel um, that there is a fracture in the psyche. And I believe those things are happening um, because we're remembering different parts of the human experience and that's a jolt to the system. And so there's going to be aspects of, of the wild dark that touch on all of that. We're talking about the whole entire experience. How do we return to wholeness, restore wholeness within the self through our own responsibility to self? There's nothing that the wild dark would be doing on behalf of the student. Um, there is content shared. There is a, a beautiful structure for uh, gathering space and connecting space and so many different modalities of uh, softening and opening and exploring and excavating and celebrating and grieving and all of it. Um, it's, it's for the person who wants to feel the fullness of what it is to be alive inside of a human body without the story of the bullshit of societal structures that keep people in their suffering are designed to keep us in our suffering. So, and then from there, there's like a party, you know, <laughs> there is, always a party. yeah, no. It, and that's the thing with me is um, when you've been in the dark for long enough, I'm a, I'm, a huge advocate for laughter medicine and humor. And I think it has a way of softening some really dark things and not from a place of bypassing or minimizing or um, ignoring or ignoring. Or yes. None of that. Avoidant but, behaviors. Yes. But from a, a very honest space of, I can laugh at this. I, I can do that. And it doesn't minimize the intensity of it. So for example, Eric uh, left Reno on the Ides of March he completed suicide on March 17th, St. Patrick's Day. So I had his funeral on April Fool's Day because I thought it was funny and it like made sense. It went with the theme that he had started unknowingly about these holiday moments, right? So it's this, if we take ourselves too seriously in all of this, we're feeding the thing that we are special creatures, but we're not that fucking special to where... I mean, our pain is relative, is what I do feel. The The worst, most painful experience I have ever gone through from an energetic standpoint 
is the same as the worst experience anyone else has been through. The story attached to it will look very different. And some may say one is worse than the other purely based off of the story that they are processing in their own experience through their perception. They have created this worse or less. Um, and, and perhaps in aspects that's true. Uh, but I do feel that when we can hold space with a group of humans who are processing through incredibly traumatic past experiences, um, healing in solitude is a profound experience, but healing within community is remarkable because it's the time where you get to say the darkest thing and love is not taken away. You are not shut out to the, to the outcast. Um, if anything, you're held more lovingly because you harness the courage to step into that. So the wild dark is, um, it's for like the no bullshit person. Like it, it really is like the person that's ready to just fucking do the work, do the fucking work because um, that might be the slogan that goes on the website. The wild I dark. Support the that, work. actually. Yeah. You know, you said that we are the thing. And I think that there's so many different layers to that. You know, we are the thing that's creating our own suffering. And we are the thing that we've been searching for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it is. It's being able to see the power in that. Like, we have been shown so many countless ways um, that we should give our power away to so many different things and to reclaim all of that and to really align and focus and intentionally channel all of that, that fragmented energy into um, the absolute truest aspect of our experience. And that is our soul expression there is, there's just an empowerment that comes with claiming your power back. And it's because I think we became numb to the fact that it was even gone. We didn't realize that we were giving it away to the things outside of ourselves. Um, so it is, it's about restoring the belief that we are fucking remarkable beings and that we house a power within us that creates a manifested reality. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, so yeah, there's going to be so many parts to it. There's, um, we will be very much students of astrology in the wild dark. We will work with the rhythms of the natural world. We will learn different ways to cleanse and clear the the auric field, the light body, um, to run energy from the cosmic signature, from earth medicine. Um, we will journey into the stargate. We will um, excavate and call forward the story and very shamanically um, integrate that, that traumatized experience and really welcome it in. Um, so that, you know, all that we reject is no longer functioning in the subconscious without our awareness. 
um, but bringing it all forward and really uh, celebrating what it is to survive, to have gone through the dark waters and to hopefully have folks leave feeling empowered to be in their own medicine um, and to explore what resonates and to leave what doesn't and to know that uh, that space does not close for them once their curriculum comes to a close, but that it is a gathering space that will just continue to transform and, and grow. How many seekers? I, oh man, Are you I, I, I took this into ceremony the other day. Um, and it's, it's so beautiful to see how my past history professionally and then, um, even as an athlete and then as a coach and then in my professional careers of facilitating content to large audiences, um, I feel confident to be able to hold space for this mystery school and the way that it is currently structured. I would like to probably cap it at like 44. That's what I can hold space for. Um, so when the first student makes themselves known, I will consider that to be a grand success. So anywhere from one to 44. <laughs> All right, girl. Okay. I see you, baby. Sign me up. All right, I'll, girl. I'll, put you, I'll sign on the dotted line any day. Okay. Let's do it. Let's do it. We'll yeah. have a one-off. We'll, and I'll, yeah. uh, I'll share with you the ins and outs. Um, and yeah. then truly feel into if it feels like it's in alignment for you, but it would be an absolute honor and, and a true privilege to witness you in that experience. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, do you mm. want to segue into your, your healing journey and mm. the catalyst for your mm. transformation and growth? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, you know, the the work that is shamanic in nature is the dark waters. And to be initiated into this experience of medicine work, I had to go through my own dark water. Um, I had to explore it deeply and intimately and the experience that brought me into it was Eric's suicide and, you know, to have a partner and a lover and a friend and a teacher, um, very present, uh, one second and then the next second it is done. It is over. It is done is a, I can't, there's words truly do not describe that specific experience. Um, and that's why sadly and gratefully, um, when I encounter someone who has survived a suicide, experience, um, whether it be a family member of theirs, a, a partner, a friend, coworker, whatever it may be, um, there is an unspoken knowing that is there. And it feels really nice and loving to be in a space with someone 
who can understand the unexplainable. Um, and it's also incredibly tragic each time I meet another fellow traveler who does have that knowing, um, because then it also means I understand where they're, where they've been. Um, and, you know, it, Eric's story is complex. Eric is the reason I can hold the view and the belief that all beings house a sacred soul, a beautiful, pure soul. And there can be a fractured aspect of them that is completely wrapped in the darkness, in the demonic darkness, in a darkness that takes over the thoughts, choices, actions, and behaviors, and not giving away the responsibility that is absolutely a part of him. It was a very wounded expression of him and an, an expression of him that I only saw the last seven weeks of his life. I didn't even know it existed. So talk about you know some pretty life-altering moments within the last seven weeks of his life uh, to not know what was up or down or what was true or what wasn't. Um, and then to hold space for myself in the aftermath when he's no longer in his body and I'm navigating the repercussions of his choices and to hold space with all of that and the many, many layers of the questions and the what ifs and the how did I nots and the and that's really what the 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 medicine wheel has supported me with as well is releasing all of that story, all of that. Like there's it's pointless um in a sense to ask myself those questions um because they're just, again, it's giving away the energy that could be channeled in a, in a, in a truly healing way versus a staying in the story and the victim of it all. But yeah, there was, <laughs> I was, Eric was going to work on a normal day and he was a, a teacher at middle school and I was off, I was working at Apple at the time and it was my day off. So I wake up to a message on my phone on Facebook and it was, I don't know, maybe like 5.30 in the morning and Eric had already left for work. And it's this kind of like an acquaintance's sister. So pretty far removed from any kind of inner circle I had at that time. And she's like, hey, I just came across this post and I think that's your husband and they're saying some pretty crazy shit. So I'm like, yeah, I start to read it and it's some in very intense and very horrific accusations. And essentially what this post said was that Eric was being accused of trying to kidnap two 11-year-old girls and take them into the house. And I am like, what the fuck? They definitely have the wrong person. Like, there's no way. 
this is the man I've slept next to at that point for, you know, the last six years. So I, that can't be, can't be right. Or the last seven years. Um, and I reach out to Eric and he send, he, he calls me and he says, I'll be right home. And that's all he said. And then he gets home and we're sitting on the couch and he did. He said, I have been lying to you through omission. And then it all just kind of starts to come forward and things start to get very swirly. And I remember a couple of nights prior, like the police coming to the door. I had just gotten home from work. It was maybe like eight o'clock at night and the police come to the door and it's February, it's cold, there's snow. And, um, they say, Hey, you know, we're just checking on the neighborhood. We were told there's a few, a few guys walking around, um, doing like asking for donations and we just want to make sure you're not, you know, getting disturbed. I was like, well, I just got home from work, but my husband's been here. Uh, he's a teacher. So he gets off a lot earlier than I do and I'll go get him. And Eric came to the door and he had been reading like, but so I thought maybe he got up too fast, but he answered when he came to the door, he was, his face was just white. He was white as a ghost. And, um, it's little things like that in reflection where I can see like, Oh, he, he wasn't lightheaded. He was actually nervous as fuck that there were two police officers right there. Um, so when we look back and we say like, how could I have not known there was never anything. And at this point, for me to resist seeing anything is I'm confident that I didn't miss quote unquote anything um, in our partnership. So they, the, the officers leave, we just go about our night and the next day. And then this, he comes home and he's saying all of this and, and he said, so I'll, you know, I actually didn't have work today. I'm not allowed to go back to work until I meet with the detectives. So I'm actually meeting with them today. And so I went with him to meet with the detectives and I was brought into an interrogation room for over three hours um, and talk about a, a very confusing moment. And they must have thought, I don't know who the fuck knows what they thought. It's, I'm sure it's so hard for them to discern and trust in a sense, right? But I'm in this space of like, oh, this they've got the wrong dude. So I'm talking about the Eric I know and the beauty that is this person and the compassion that is this person and all of these things. And I know that the detectives, um, they were incredibly loving. I couldn't have been in a better set of circumstances under incredibly painful circumstances because they were very gracious in their treatment towards me and um, throughout the entire time. So we leave, I don't know, gosh, maybe five or six hours later and he's just not allowed to work until everything's cleared up. I'm thinking it's going to get cleared up, you know, in the next few days, but it'll be fine, whatever, whatever. Um, Cause what Eric had shared had happened is, and you know, this is the first time I'm talking about it in this much depth on this kind of a platform. So thank you again for holding this space. 
Um, but this is the point. If I can have this conversation and people show up from a place of witnessing, they don't need to have an opinion. They don't need to have a perspective, but just to listen to a story of another person, that is how we begin to create space. So perhaps people like Eric could have felt safe to talk about the darkness they held. And that is not to put anything on anyone. Um, It's not even to put anything on the community in a larger sense that we don't hold space well (laughs) for the dark shit. But it's to say, this is why I feel called to create space for the darkness to have its place because I believe we can heal it anyway. So he, uh, we just went about our life and you know, like those next seven weeks, that's how long the investigation was open that whole entire time. I just, I just had this feeling it was going to get figured out. Like it was, there's no way that like he, what he had said happened was it was snowing and it was cold and the, the young girls came to the house to, for school donations and stuff that, and he went inside to get some money to come out and give to them. And one of the girl's jackets had, was like off her shoulder. So he like grabbed it and zipped it up and touched her chest as he did that. And that was that. So their story is a little bit different. Their story is that like he tried to take, like grab both of them, whether it was separately or at the same time and, and push them inside. Unfortunately, we'll never know the truth of it because there was a day at work where I was in a business meeting around maybe 4.30 and I was having a great day at work. It was actually the 10-year Appleversary of the Reno Apple Store. So we were having a great time and I was in this business meeting and they're usually about two hours and about halfway through an just a undeniable uh, need to go vomit in the bathroom. So I did. And then I came back and I was fine. And I was like, that's so that that's the most bizarre thing in the whole world. I never am sick um, or have anything like that. So I just felt something to be off. And then when I was driving home, uh, I remember like opening up the garage and his car wasn't there. And I was like, that's, that's weird. And I went inside and on the kitchen table was his phone, his wallet and a letter. And uh, his dad at the time lived in Las Vegas. And so on, like he had written the letter and then on the back of the letter, it said like, I'm, I'm driving to my dad's house. Like, just don't follow me. <laughs> so, I mean, come on, what do I do? I, you know, get my mom, load the dog in the car and I'm driving to Vegas, baby. And, uh, we stopped at every hotel, every motel, every RV park on the way down just to see if his car was there. Uh, his dad worked at area 51 at the time for decades and decades. So he would fly to work every day. And so he'd leave around 3 AM. I was just hoping to get to his house before he left for work. Um, you know, spirit was already involved and 
we roll up around, I don't know, maybe 4 a.m. And his car is still in the park, in, in the driveway. So he just happened to take the day off of work. And uh, I told him what was going on. And, and then the detective calls. And she's like, hey, Blair, Eric was supposed to turn himself in last night. And he said that he wanted to talk with you first. And um, that, you know, after he was able to talk with you, that he'd come down and do it. And he never showed up. And I was like, well, yeah, I, I, you know, this is what's going on. And I remember her. And she said, Blair, I have a lot of respect for you. And I, I understand you're in a tough, tough time. But your husband is wanted. And you are in Las Vegas. There is nothing to say that you are not with him right now. So you need to get back to Reno as soon as you can so that we know that you're not helping this dude flee. So get the fuck home pretty much. Um, And we'll be waiting at your doorstep when you do. So uh, hopped on an airplane. (laughs) Um, It was a Southwest flight and they were the most compassionate people I'd ever, ever run into. I obviously was a mess and they let me board before even the flight crew and the pilot. And they, um, they blocked off the last two rows of the airplane. And there was a flight attendant that sat in the aisle seat right in front of me and was just turning people back. And then they made an announcement that the bathroom in the back of the airplane was not functioning. So please only use the bathroom in the front. Like they, they, there was an energetic protection around me that I can only now recognize. And I mean, then they like sent me a handwritten letter after the fact of like, you just want to make sure you're okay. So I got home and it was on that flight where I just knew where Eric was. He had gone to um, a family ranch in California. I just knew he was there. It's where he had always said he would want to die. <laughs> he said he would die happily out there is what he would say. Um, and then sure as shit, it would have been the next day, the next night. I was on the kitchen floor just laughing with my dog and my mom. And there's a knock on the door. And it was a chaplain. I remember opening the door. And then I remember being on the couch and there's probably a 45 minute chunk of time that I do not recall. My mother, unfortunately, recalls every moment of it. And yeah, I remember um, he had gone to the local, it's a small town, uh, and he had gone to the local fire department And he went into the back on this little grassy space and he completed suicide there. Um, And his decision was that as long as, you know, if someone was to find him, he would at least hope it was a first responder and not a civilian who wasn't somewhat quote unquote prepared for it. But yeah, so I went to pick up his vehicle and (laughs) there was... He had left like an old iPhone in there and there was about a 15 minute voice recording right before he did it that um, it's interesting to listen to the last words of a human being um, before they walk the path that he was about to walk. And then he had also left like an 11 page letter 
um, in the vehicle and <laughs> several hundred dollars with an apology note to the fire department um, and that the money was for any cleanup uh, fees that would be needed or if they, <laughs> for whatever reasons. Um, and, you know, it for me, he was very uh, transparent in those last moments. And he spoke of this darkest part of himself that he was able to keep under wraps um, and very compartmentalize. It was part of what the Marine Corps offered to him, the ability to just shut down a certain part of himself. And given what he shared took place that night, that was enough for him to be in enough fear that that darkness would come out in more horrific ways that he chose to end his life. And with the toxicology report and things of that nature for it to have been a very clear minded decision, no alcohol, no drugs, no substance of any sort in his system. It was a very conscious choice. The detective was very compassionate in allowing them to make a public statement about all of this after um, we had his service because as a teacher, it has to be public knowledge that um, a teacher is under investigation for lewd acts with a minor and the, you know, the things people would say and about Eric, about me, um, the dad showing up or the uncle of the girls showing up with a machete. <laughs> That's where, you know, the art I spoke of in episode four that kind of first four to five months of feeling unsafe to even leave my house. Uh, it was tough. And they're not wrong in that they were feeling what they were feeling. And there's no judgment on that um, at all. <laughs> and uh, it's just a, it's a complex experience. And um, those initiations are what prepared me to be able to step into this work of shamanic healing uh, because it does require us to look the darkness in the eye and remind the darkness that the, that the light is here and it will hold space relentlessly until the darkness sees itself as beauty. So yeah, we had the, we had the memorial on April Fool's Day and we, then they put out the press release and it's interesting how people flood the space of the grieving widow and then when the funeral's over, the emptiness that sets in, everyone goes home, back to their daily life and... I was just there in this big old empty house. And then you figure it the fuck out. You feel the shit. You do the fucking work. It gets dark. It gets dirty. It gets messy. It gets fucked up. And slowly, I just started to find my way. And um, I knew that if 
I was to make it through all of this, that I would absolutely make it my intention to hold space for the exploration of this in any other traveler. So, yeah, I mean, it's that's just a little bit about it. Um, there's so many other things that uh, that time of initiation for my own personal healing and growth. Um, so much wisdom came from that lesson and those teachings, but yeah, it's, it's unapologetic and it's my fucking story. And so it's what brought me to this, this time and beautiful humans have found deeper parts of themselves because I had the courage to share that story with them. And if that's, the point of it all, then I'm glad to do it. The beauty and grace in your vulnerability and sharing your experience and perspective, there are no words that Mm -hmm. can describe how I'm feeling in this moment. The Mm -hmm. honor and respect and gratitude for you to be able to share Mm -hmm. and be here. Mm -hmm. And I love dancing in the light with you Mm. and I look forward to being on this journey of being a light worker working in the dark with you Mm. Mm. yes I consent and I say yes to that thank you thank you for for those words and those reflections it's um (laughs) I mean it's it's earth school baby we're just (laughs) We're really doing the work and um, I'm grateful to be in this space because someone had introduced me to the work and it's, it's how we share, it's how we transform, it's how we grow. Um, sharing the things that worked and the things that didn't work so that someone may find something that takes them a little bit more deeply. What would you say to someone that's teetering on the edge of the darkness? Oh, I, if, if, when someone finds themselves at the door of the darkness, the only, the only next step is to open that door. You wouldn't be there if your body in your soul, the physical temple in harmony with the soul self to step into that healing, you wouldn't be in that space if both of those things weren't ready. Um, simply being at the door of entry is the evidence that all that is necessary is to open that door um, and trust that whatever is to come is for the highest and absolute best. It is for liberation. It is to reclaim the self. You know, we will say it all the time, like, oh, this has been so beautifully written. This part is is you know, the blessings are coming, the you know, the light is coming. Well, this darkness is, was written with just as much intention of, from great mystery as all of this beauty and bliss. It, it has to be this way. And when we can make peace with the fact that we are simply in the dark waters of our overall experience, it loses a bit of its horror because 
we wouldn't be there if we weren't ready to begin. It won't be easy necessarily, um, but it's, it is safe to say yes, and it's safe to trust that you don't know a goddamn thing, and that's okay because there are people who have done some work and there are people that are a little bit further on the path and there are people that are a little bit further than them on the path. And when each person on the path takes a moment to just turn their head and look back behind themselves, they'll see a traveler and that traveler will be someone that could benefit from their guidance just as they were someone who benefited from the traveler before them. It's not that any of us knows anything unique. (laughs) We just all have a different way of processing it. And if a way that I can process this bizarre experience supports the, the peace of another's perspective, even a little bit, then I'm, I'm here for that. So. Uh Oh, baby. Uh Oh, I want to thank you for taking time out of your day Mm. and your life and sharing your soulful experience and your journey. Mm. It was an absolute honor, absolute honor. And I cannot wait um, for all that is written for you and I to explore in many different, in many different expressions. I am, um, there's like a hum in the body. Right, like a little bit of electricity when it comes to you, and uh, and specifically regarding whatever it is that you and I are here to co-create. Thank you for just the sisterhood that you and I share on such a cellular level and a cellular level, because you know, like I can sit and grieve these past relationships that no longer serve or no longer fit, but you've given me the perspective of where I'm stepping into. Mm, And thank you. That's so, so beautiful. So, so beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it is right. Like when we look at this past eclipse season, I know a few homies in my life where it was just like, what the fuck? So much was just eliminated, eliminated. Just. Yep. Oh, done, done. Just cut. Oh yeah. And it's nothing personal. It's spiritual. And the space that has been created because of that, there's big medicine coming through for a lot of people and it's medicine that is intended to be shared. And that's a special moment. Where can uh, someone find your big medicine? Yes. So uh, again, we'll be opening enrollment for the mystery school in March of 2023. Um, So there'll be more information that'll be coming out slowly um, as I feel called to share it. And it will be, uh, you can find me on Instagram at Blair underscore Elizabeth. That's my uh, personal page where I do more of the shamanic engagement. Uh, And then my tattoo page is True Nature Tattoo. Uh, And that's where we do some ceremonial markings of the vessel. Um, There'll be a website at some point, but. And if the listener wants to find out more about your ceremonial tattoos, they can listen to episode four. Yeah. Episode four. Yeah. Yeah. And learn more about you and your Mm. everything. All the things. All the things. Uh. With that being said, I think it's time to wrap it up and I can't wait to get some sister time on the books with you. And Mm. thank you for everyone listening and, 
being a part of the healing and the journey. And, and just remember that you are the thing you're looking for. And if you need to reach out to me or would like to reach out, I'd love to connect with you. And you can find me at, at Marcy Walker Coaching on Instagram or livingyoursoulspurpose.com. Mm-hmm.